Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Ah! You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello, and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Betches Up Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. It's us. Happy Wednesday, Caitlin. How's your week going so far? Happy Wednesday. Well, um, <laughs> you know, I, I keep, the further we get into this, the more I start feeling like, is the, the small talk of our lives now, like, have to be completely restructured because... I don't know, like, I, I almost feel like, how are you doing is like a verboten question. <laughs> I know. There's no satisfying answer. It's like, if I tell you I'm fine, that feels like a lie. But also, you know, yeah. if, if we start on what's wrong, we're just going to be here all day. That's just going to be I know. That's day. true. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm still I'm alive. I... Everyone I love is still more or less alive. And uh, so that, that makes it good. That is a, a starting point. Yeah. So we're going to start with uh, yesterday afternoon, catch up to this morning, I guess. <laughs> so yesterday, <laughs> President Donald Trump uh, experienced a prolonged mental health event in the Rose Garden. I don't say that to make light of uh, mental health events. Not at all. That is what appeared to be happening. Uh, he was supposed to just be addressing China, specifically with regard to Hong Kong, but uh just went on like a 52-minute anti-Biden monologue. He can't really have rallies right now, so he's just doing that from the White House, which is actually illegal. Like, he's not allowed to use our tax dollars to do that stuff. Made a lot of false statements. Going to run through a few of them. So he claimed that uh, Biden wants to abolish the suburbs, (laughs) which is apparently a reference to an Obama-era housing rule that simply meant to address racial racial segregation in the suburbs. So actually, we want to enhance the suburbs. Seems to recognize the value of the suburbs. He also said that the goal to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050 means we can only build buildings without windows. Caitlin, I, I literally could not find any, like even the fact-checking stories didn't have any information about why he said this. Oh, okay, I do want to point out here for, for our listeners that my silence was actually full of the entire Nathan Fillion gif of what? <laughs> that was quietly, it was silently happening, but you didn't see it, but Amanda yeah. definitely could see it. For sure. It was an <laughs> and, and I just want to let you know, that was not a normal silence. That was very much like a, what the Silent. That was a very like I, right. not yeah. just okay. a pregnant pause, a very animated, expressive pause. A very expressive silence. <laughs> <laughs> because what? No. What? Yeah, I found nothing. I was like, like <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Okay. I, at least I can find what false thing he is basing this off of. But I literally could not. If you know, please tell me. It, I invite you. I invite you all into my DMs to inform me on why. 
windowless rooms uh, reduce net zero carbon emissions. But this all seems to be, so I think last week the Biden Sanders sort of task force has started in unveiling their plans and they are, um, I mean, everyone's saying that it's like the most progressive platform ever because like factually it sort of seems to be and now and Trump can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the platform <laughs> is, <laughs> sorry, it just like kind of pisses me off that we're like hailing to totally old white guys as the most progressive people on the planet. And I'm just oh, like, yeah. yeah. Right. It's I like just because it's the most progressive. Yeah. Compared to I, what? I feel Bernie Sanders is massively overpowered, especially considering that his coalition represents virtually no one who's the base of the party. Um, but hey, you know, it's all good. Uh, I mean, no, Caitlin, going- he could help us get back those 70,000 white people that we lost. We want them back so bad. There's 70,000 white people who apparently, you know, like that, that was the entire issue, not the 100,000 black people suppressed by the end of the Voting Rights Act, Section 5. Definitely not. It's definitely all Bernie Sanders. Um, yeah. So speaking of uh, the progressivism embedded in this, uh, the task force proposed abolishing for-profit immigration detention centers. Uh, wants to stop providing financial incentives to detain children or families for long periods of time. Um, Donald Trump, in response to um, someone wrote that Donald Trump doesn't know how. I think it might have been Adam Sir, um at the Atlantic said that like Donald Trump doesn't know how to attack a white dude. Like he he literally like doesn't know oh, like yeah. what what to do. He's like, well, you're you're also a white dude. So, like, I don't understand, like, what to t- say about you that makes you, like, intrinsically evil so people understand how, how dangerous you are. So you're just, like, mashing, like, Biden and Sanders together to create a socialism Voltron, I guess. Um, and then attacking that. Uh, and he he's also started doing uh, kind of more extreme things to, to rally his base, um, to create an even higher contrast, I guess, between him and Joe Biden, like saying things like more white people are killed by police than black people. Why are African-Americans still dying at the hands of law enforcement in this country? And so are white people. So are white people. What a terrible question to ask. So are white people. More white people, by the way, more white people. Um, I, I don't know if that should be a selling point. Like, he's like, oh, we should keep police the way that they are because they kill more white people. And I was like, that doesn't make very much sense. Like, as a white citizen, I don't know if that would make, I wouldn't be like, oh, it's not a problem then. They can just shoot my kids. Like, what? No, wait, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. It's just so, like, yeah, the, the claim that, like, he's clearly a white supremacist and a white nationalist, but when he has a chance to, like, actually stand up for, for things that would benefit white people or actually things that would benefit everybody, he's like, no, they're, just, they're killing us all. It's fine. It's fine. It's no problem. <laughs> COVID's killing a lot of white people. To be fair, though, he understands that, that police violence is fundamentally part of a white supremacist system and therefore feels that the lives lost from white people balances out because they are successfully suppressing black people. So like, I, it's kind of distressing, like how much I understand white supremacy because I've been living inside of it and looking and like have to inspect it all the time. But like, I understand exactly this train of logic. It is terrible and it is nonsensical and it is uh, degrading to the human soul, but it is, it does have a kind of logic, which is kind of like, 
there's some necessary sacrifices that need to be made in white people so we can continue suppressing black people. Right. It's like he's like, oh, you know, I understand it. That's why he gets away with saying things like that. Right. We got to sacrifice a few white people if we want to keep killing all people of color. That's, 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 that's that's the argument. That's the re-election. Yeah. And, and I'd like to also point out that white people are extremely amenable to this. We had a whole war where they were like, let's throw our children into this forever. They went for like five years. I want to be clear that the war effectively ended the moment that the Union captured Vicksburg and drove the Confederate army out of Gettysburg. And they lost like a third of their army on Pickett's charge. Like that was, that was the moment where the Confederacy had no chance whatsoever of winning that war. It was just going to be a war of attrition. And the Union had like 10 times more people than the Confederacy had. And they were willing to do it. And we, we have this evidence in our history that they will just like continue dying so they can oppress black people. And I just like to point out right now we're at how many coronavirus deaths. And that's because it's disproportionately hitting black and brown people. And so people who ostensibly <laughs> go one day saying like this isn't even real to the next day saying my son has coronavirus right those people are totally fine dying to protect white supremacy like they they straight up were like i don't need no mask oh my god my child oops yeah absolutely yeah and like he says this stuff and it's so scary and dangerous and it's like our audience knows all the statistics and i put them up again and i almost feel icky doing that because it's like it's so obvious like what are you talking about? Of course, of like we, everybody knows that black people are three times more likely to be killed by police. The, 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 the fact of information that he's always withholding is that there are considerably more white people in this country. This country is like is 13% of Americans are black. So it tracks that if you have 87% that are non-black, that might make up a bigger portion. And yet still, black people are just obviously, we all know this, disproportionately killed by police. Yeah, yeah. And and when you get into it, it's like, you know, he's been spending a lot of time restructuring our government to be more white supremacist and to care about it, uh, citizens of color even less than they already do. Um, things like saying the CDC should not be bypassed so they can send data directly to the White House. That's to manipulate public opinion. That's to prevent the understanding of how this is spreading. That is to discredit science. But overwhelmingly, it is to maintain power and keep it concentrated among people who are already at the top of the power structure, but are not a majority of the country. And the only way to maintain that is to continually sabotage systems that are supposed to work for everybody. But if they did work for everybody, then the white supremacists wouldn't be able to maintain power. Yeah. And given the racial disparities and, and the deaths, like that's just even more terrifying that there's like what is basically a racial genocide that they're letting happen, but they want to they get the data so that they can erase that. And that when history looks back on this, it can be like, oh yeah, it's just everybody died. It was so random and tragic. That's yep. not what's happening. Yep, 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 yep. And some more yep. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Anyway, we also want to touch on a few elections that were yesterday, some big ones. So Jeff Sessions lost, I can't even say his name without laughing, lost in Alabama, a Senate GOP runoff. Uh, He ran against former Auburn University football coach Tommy Tuberville. Trump has obviously like been roasting sessions throughout the campaign and endorsed Tuberville. Um, I was reading that Doug Jones apparently like would prefer to go up against Tuberville because he's he has zero experience. I don't know what it is like to live in Alabama. We have people that tell us but like I don't know people really like football coaches. Um, Yeah I think there's that but also like it's really important to establish that, like, he barely beat Roy Moore. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's have a discussion about who Roy Moore is and what he represents and the fact that he was openly outed as a grown man searching for teenage girls to date. Mm-hmm. Very liberal use of that word due to the age of consent laws in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but. That is deeply distressing, right? Like, everybody's yeah. been like, it shouldn't matter. And I, as I, I said before, if you are part of a death cult, there's no, people are like, well, there should be some principle, and they would choose somebody who, who has public service over someone who doesn't. And I'm just here being like, they're willing to murder their children and their grandchildren and their great grand like, like, this is going to continue going. They're willing to turn anything out so they can maintain power. Like, we, we have people just straight up, like, just a few months ago, they were straight up like, grandma and grandpa don't need to live much longer. And I was like, wait, what? What I is know. happening? They were just straight up being like, don't wear masks. Your grandparents, they, they understand and they're willing to give their lives to you. <laughs> so you can, I was like, what is going on? Straight up death cult situation right now in our politics. So I'm a little bit nervous about um, Doug Jones, who prosecuted the terrorists who blew up four children in a church um, for being black. Yeah. Uh, going up against a guy who basically was just straight up like, you're not racist enough, Jeff- Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you are insufficiently loyal to the white race. Jeff, Jeff Sessions, like, his name is Jefferson Borgard Sessions III. I don't think you can get, oh, like, no. you be like, okay, I'm going to have to leave this room. It's not safe. Oh, God, <laughs> I know. And the only reason, the reason that most progressives triumph, especially in races where there's a lot at stake, is because of black women. 
who I think 98% of whom voted for Doug Jones. I don't know. I mean, this one we would say is like definitely the most available seat for Republicans to pick up, right? Yes. Yeah. But good news is that in Maine, Sarah Gideon, the Speaker of the Maine House of Representatives, became the Democratic nominee to challenge Senator Susan Collins, who is absolutely on the ropes, because it turns out Mainers, despite the fact that they got elected Governor Pete LePage, um, the vast majority of whom do not like uh, like this, uh, yeah. and do not like right now Susan Collins, who keeps being very mealy-mouthed about all the principles that she supposedly represents. Um as you pointed out, Amanda, when you picked her as worst person in government, <laughs> an accurate term. Um, yeah, but for but for Rand Paul supporting not supporting a lynching bill, she would have she would have had it. She would have had it. You were yeah. you were damn close. That I was know. real close. Um, <laughs> a terrible person. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Sarah Gideon is is going to be uh, be the Democratic nominee. It's really, uh, I think it's going to be a huge advantage because at least now you don't have the, Susan Collins can't pull like the, I'm uh, going to protect mm-hmm. women uh, argument. She she doesn't have an argument that's going to, that was usually her argument, right? That the thing yeah. that made her moderate was that she cares about women and, you know, everything. And then the Brett Kavanaugh vote and then the, the refusal to acknowledge that his decisions are extremely hostile to women and their reproductive rights. And in fact, their basic autonomy as human beings. And she just keeps backpedaling. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Sarah Gideon puts together. And I'm pretty sure she's got a pretty big war chest ready to go. A lot of national support there. Yeah, yeah, totally. And she has like a cool kind of, I mean, very strategic backstory to her her bid for this, which is that they called and asked her husband to run. And she answered the phone and was like, no, actually, I will. And I know like, like my mom would love that. That would get my mom to go vote, you know? Absolutely. So There's a lot of anger need. in women in this country, which kind of segues nicely to our mm-hmm. next discussion, because uh, there's a lot of anger, I think, from women in this country about how the last four years has gone. A lot of anger about the lack of representation of our voices in government. Uh, definitely a lot of anger around the Kavanaugh vote, a lot of anger around um, the you know, a, a lot of anger. There's just lots, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And uh, to alleviate that anger, Joe Biden promised he would put a woman as his VP. Well, this obviously matters because, you know, uh, I I will be very straightforward about this. Joe Biden is going to be one of the oldest nominees uh, ever in party politics. Uh, he will be older than Ronald Reagan when he was sworn in for his first term. Um, he will be, I think, older than John McCain would have been. Yeah. So we're in, and I, I would also like to point out, he's also a two-time cancer survivor of the, the same same diagnosis that took his son, unfortunately. I did not that, know that. How did yeah, I not that's know the that? Same cancer. So wow. he is, of, and, and as we've seen, the only way to avoid aging in this job is to not care about humanity. So that's why Donald Trump still looks about the same that he did he the day he was sworn into office. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that despite whatever his faults, Joe Biden does care deeply about other human beings. And so I suspect he will age during this process of leading the country, should he be so fortunate as to be elected president of the United States. Yeah, he's also 80 80 and likes to touch people, and it's a global pandemic. He's not 80, he's 77. 
the, the good news, he'll be 78 uh, by election day, I believe. So we, you know, that's an important discussion to have. Um, and his VP pick is obviously going to be super important. Like we all are silently here ex- acknowledging that this person is probably going to be uh, first in line for nominee in 2024. Should we succeed? Uh, we're pretty sure that Joe Biden's not making it through two terms because that's crazy. He'd be 88 by the end. Like what? He'd be like 80 something years old by the end of his second term. Absolutely not. No. Even if he were to manage it, um, he also again does have previous health issues. So I don't know how that's going to interact with the level of stress in the office. Um, and right, we that do, would be like older than RBG is right now. Yeah, we we want someone to be able to delegate. Um, you know, to, to be able to handle more of those tasks and to basically co-president. So we, we're all kind of on tender hooks, wondering who Joe Biden's going to pick. Obviously, the women he ran against um, are the, uh, at the top of that list. So we got Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris um, as the top, I would say, of the former um, mm-hmm. candidates. And then for people who didn't run, there's Susan Rice, Val Demings, and... Uh, Tammy Duckworth, who have been yes. all mentioned as uh, as potential VP picks. Elizabeth Warren's the only white woman on the list at the moment that I think has any real chance of getting through. But yeah, what do you, why why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was weird when he made this announcement. He was just like, "It's gonna be a woman," because as we were talking about his age, like. I feel like one of the things that did dog McCain was that he was very old and picked somebody as his VP who was, it was like insulting. It was like, you would let this person run the country. So like just hearing that you're, I can't think of a a Democrat right now who's a woman who's analogous to Sarah Palin. Um, But obviously just picking any woman isn't, I don't know. I mean, we're coming out of the most diverse race in in history for this nomination, and we ended up with a 77-year-old white man. So I feel like that's why there's not really a strong appetite for another white person when, like, if you look at the rest of... I interviewed Zerlina Maxwell and read her book recently, and it's just like, you can't say... Like, you can't resist the, the way the future... Like, this is already the majority of what people want. Like, you might be able to hang on for, like, a little bit, but like, this is where things are going. The majority of people that are excited about progressive ideas do not look like Joe Biden are not going to be super animated by people who, I mean, I guess Elizabeth Warren is probably the only exception, right? Because she is so progressive and well-liked. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you think there's a difference between who is the best like strategic pick that could help him win versus who would probably the best be the best co-president? Ooh, that's really tough. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I I did not endorse anybody during the primary because uh, my main issue, white supremacy, was left entirely untouched, which, as I think we can all see now, was a tremendous <laughs> failure from the entire field. Um, feel vindicated. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the person that I was most inclined towards was Elizabeth Warren. Um because she she is very competent. Want to talk about somebody who's extremely competent? Yeah, no, you can't get more competent than Elizabeth Warren. I mean, yeah, she she just knows how systems work. She understands like what levers need to be pulled, what su- superstructures need to be there. If I were picking someone for for administrative talents, I mean, you can't really go better than Elizabeth Warren because she understands stuff so well. Um, 
The downside is, is that like she's not going to get him to the over the finish line like at all. Like that's a super neglecting. That's a, a super ne- way to neglect black voters who did not like Elizabeth Warren that didn't dislike her, but there nothing in her pitch resonated, and that that's why Joe Biden ended up the nominee was that she, as much as she was trying, she didn't really have a track record of doing stuff that was really helpful to the black community. And in this moment in time, that means that you have to do like a lot, there's a lot of heavy lifting, very obviously, uh, that has to be done. And the understanding, comprehension, and empathy needs to be there for you to do that heavy lifting. That does not mean that Joe Biden has any of those things, but he did not have a track record of actively screwing over the black community, he had far more black associates, he had a lot more black people in his campaign. He, you know, his inner circle is extremely white, but he did have a lot of pre-existing relationships and that did help him uh, versus everybody else who had zero relationships was trying to build them just so they could get elected. And that really, really did do a lot of harm um, when they were campaigning. So Joe Biden ended up on top, but uh, him picking a white lady on top of all this, I know. Yeah. I know yeah. that works. So right. like, who are the black ladies who are kind of, or women of color who are kind of at the list right now? Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So I think the two people I think about a lot are Val Demings and Kamala Harris. Both of those women have... I don't know if law enforcement background is the correct way to refer to Kamala Act- Harris is often called a, ho- a cop and Val Demings actually was a cop. <laughs> yes. She was the first uh, female police chief of Orlando. I always mess that up and say that she was the first police chief of Orlando and people are like, what? <laughs> Orlando, a place, a place without law. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, well, apparently it is. Yeah. And, you know, we've also heard, I wonder if that's also why we've heard names like Susan Rice, who doesn't have, I don't think she had been elected to anything. Uh, she was one of Obama's uh, national security advisors. Um, and then Sammy Duckworth, ambassador to the UN. Yes, thank you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's, I think it's probably going to be a black woman, but I don't know. I mean, you said that Joe Biden had a history of connecting with the black community, which makes me wonder if like, we obviously hear a lot about the crime bill, but I often, I know that when I see this, I tend to hear it coming from white people, like, but the crime bill, but the crime bill, but the crime, pe- but the crime bill. Do you think that that consideration, 
the fact that he, that is part of his history impacts this choice at all? Like, do you think that makes it harder to pick a Kamala Harris or a Val Demings? Or do you think that it's just the, the moment we're in? I think it does make that. it harder because we're in a moment where, like, the seeds of the decisions that he made two decades ago have burst into really bitter, poisonous fruit. And, and, and in many ways, it's about understanding the ways in which those structures were created by him. At the same time, it's also really cool to penalize black women who have to navigate the system. You know, like, it's not like anyone was like, we're super into social like justice. That was not a way to get elected <laughs> yeah. before recently. True. And they had to build careers somehow. And Kamala Harris was really interested. I think that the thing that really bothers me is that she really had him on the ropes around the the segregation support of Jim Eastland. And she had him on busing. And instead of pressing her advantage, she kind of backed off and said that she wasn't for like school integration for school integration and i was like yeah if you don't force it, it ain't gonna happen and you know that you lived it you understand this position and you backed off and black people were like well if you're gonna do that you're gonna you're basically always gonna concede to white supremacy every time it conflicts with your your power seeking and when you add that to some of the things that are inside her record as ag maybe it's not her but it's her office if it's her office and she says she doesn't know that makes her not a great administrator, you know, mm-hmm. and that makes you wonder, like, okay, well, are you just going to forget to check your AG? Right. <laughs> you know, like, you gotta, yes. you're just going to not do that? <laughs> you know, like, if, if, you, if you're making these mistakes at a smaller level and they're having these kind of impacts, is it safe for him to choose you? Can we trust you? She also didn't, um, she didn't really excite black women. That worries me. Um, Mm-hmm. because, you know, if she had, she would have been the nominee. And I wonder, like, okay, so is it that we're all just so tired right now that we'll just accept any black woman? Because she didn't do what she kind of needed to do to get us on board when she was running for the top spot. It, it's a little bit complicated. Val Demings, I think, is an amazing person. She did a fantastic job. She's one of the um, uh, impeachment uh, team she did a phenomenal job laying out everything. Um, I think she is not at presidential level for this job. I, I'm assuming that whoever is picked needs to be ready to be president of the United States at a moment's notice. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, to deal with national tragedy of having your president possibly die in office. That's true. I haven't thought conceived of that as a national strategy in about three years. To have the political skill yeah. to navigate that and to, if necessary, use it to launch some of the initiatives that you might not have political capital to do without the old white guy dying. Or in the case of Kennedy, young white guy dying. Lyndon Johnson basically used Kennedy's death and assassination to do a lot of things. Yeah. That's messed up. But that's a huge way of, of that's got to be kind of like the blueprint for figuring out how to I mean, yeah. mobilize after national tragedy to figure out how you're going to reunite the country, but also get stuff done. There's yeah. Stuff now, done. as you're saying this, I'm wondering, as they're like planning things out, do they have like two plans? Like one, if I survive the whole time, two, if I die and we get an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, if I thought that Joe Biden was thinking that far ahead, I'd we probably would have run for the presidency. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and you need a superb amount of ego to run for the president, president of the United States. So I'm pretty sure he did not think all the way through that. Because, again, uh, to think about that and then to be like, okay, well, we've got to pick based off of whether or not I die and also what happens after I die. That's like a, that requires like a, mm -hmm. a, a supreme level of self-awareness that I don't know if Joe Biden uh, retains. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like you don't have that if you run. The last 30 years, you guys, this is not about Joe Biden personally. He's a perfectly fine guy. I'm just saying like, you know, he's missing some stuff when he said things like, if you don't vote for me, you're not really black. I had a moment where I was like, does Joe Biden possess the self-awareness to be really on top of things like, hey, what can I give my uh, person of color woman successor in case something goes wrong mm -hmm. you know I, I just feel like maybe he's thinking all the way through that um yeah my name is tammy duckworth i've said this before i say it again i really like her um i think she's an extremely capable senator she's got a lot of political experience she's been in combat she understands war to me that means understanding war not only as something that happens between human beings and is incredibly tragic and awful but also what it means to fight and what it means to imbue your fight with reasons and values um i think that she represents that very well and that's something that i think we have been missing tremendously um she got to fight with tucker carlson she yeah. kind of just beat him to death with her prosthesis basically um yeah stopped on him curb stomping seriously <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh yeah i i think that she's great she's a woman of color um she speaks multiple languages she is she uh, is internationally raised moved to hawaii and then ended up senator from illinois which i feel is a really great pathway for some people i'm not saying that yeah. that's the pathway to the presidency for people of color but maybe <laughs> yeah i was reading something about also, her like 80 black people like moving to hawaii right now right. Oh, Hawaiians <laughs> love it. Oh. yeah i was reading something with her where like the man that she was in combat with uh who lifted her out of her helicopter after she was injured voted for trump and said that the that he wasn't going to vote for Trump, but that he would only vote for Biden if uh, if she were his uh, his VP pick. And I was like, man, I think that says more about you than it says about her. Yeah, for real. Like that's not an that's, endorsement. That's what it takes. I yeah, would be no. like, that, that is, you know what? Thank you for saving my life. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, in order to like give that back, could you not vote for Donald Trump? Right. For any under any circumstances. I know. Like, it's bad that it's yeah. If you're, if the, yeah, I don't know why people don't make that connection that if your chief goal is to like maintain and preserve human life, that a vote for Donald Trump does not achieve that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I keep thinking, like I was thinking that Kamala, I feel like Kamala could really have a really challenge Trump on like the social media presence to the extent that that matters. Like people love her clap black. She's great. She knows how to do it. People love watching her. The debate would be incredible. There would be so much content and amazing sound her, bites. And it would be between her and Mike Pence, which right. would also be deeply amusing. But I would just be fascinated also to watch Tammy Duckworth fight Mike Pence. Oh, yeah, that would be really satisfying. I, I would just really enjoy watching that happen. And also, yeah. she's a gun owner. Um, <laughs> you really can't argue with like, oh, if you're a person who owns a gun. I don't yeah. know. You're like one of the six people I trust with guns. Um, yeah. And she's raising kids, young kids. Young kids. 
amid this pandemic right now. Like she, we had her on the podcast so she could talk about how like it was her office because she also has, you know, a young diverse team that realized I just had a baby and I didn't get my, my check for my baby because the IRS doesn't know that I have a kid. And she mm-hmm. proposed a solution. And I think her policies are like, I, I, I don't know too much. I think she's like, I wouldn't call her a moderate, but her, her background and the policies and her, her perspective on things, it's like pretty inarguable. I don't know how you fight with it. Yeah. She's very, she's very pragmatic. She understands how to get into a space and where that space can be better. I think like that's a great mindset to have right now. I'm not as agree yeah. with Kamala Harris, but I actually, I actually think that Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren are both best situated to the Senate. I really, really, really would like Democrats to stop thinking about the presidency as the end all be all of our politics and to actually try to seize control up and down the system. I yeah. want great people in our Senate. It is, it's, I'm tired of everybody going to the Senate so they can run for president. I really want somebody who cares about destroying Mitch McConnell and stepping on his throat, metaphorically, with votes. Um, and, and if we can't get that, then like, I'm just tired because like, the VP slot doesn't really do anything until you, it's empowered by the President of the United States. How much yeah. power you get and how much you're allowed to navigate should the worst happen really depends on your political skill. And I have not seen anybody right now with the high level political skill. And if you have that kind of political skill, you know what, frankly, if you're a Senator, please stay in the United States Senate, unless there's a much better reason for you to leave. That's kind of my take. I really want us to to focus on the Senate is one of the weakest places for Democrats. We got to get control of it again we got to figure out what we're doing with this judiciary, which exactly. is extremely hostile to the majority of American interests. Uh, you know, like, I want people to be thinking big picture. Kamala Harris, I think, is actually future great Senate majority leader who can do an amazing job there. I kind of feel like ending her political career by making her vice president of the United States and lining her up to be president, maybe before she's ready, might not be the best option. But, hey, either way, I'm excited to see which Woman of color, because I suspect it will be Joe Biden picks around August 1st to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of the 19th Amendment. That sounds like a great place to end. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.